Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc SOAP and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. Let's uh, pray and then let's dive into the word today and see what God really has to show us out of 1 Chronicles 28 this morning. Uh, and I'm reading out of the uh, New Living Translation. Um, hold on, let me get something. There we go. So, verse 1, uh, David summoned all the officials of Israel to Jerusalem, the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of the army uh, divisions, uh, the other generals and captains, the overseers of the uh, royal property and livestock, the uh, palace officials, the mighty men and all uh, of the other brave warriors in the kingdom. David rose to his feet and said, my brothers and my people, it was my desire to build a temple where the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, God's footstool, could rest permanently. I made the necessary preparations for building it. But God said to me, you must not build a temple to honor my name, for you are a warrior and have shed much blood. Uh, yet the Lord, uh, the God of Israel, has chosen me from among all my father's family to be king over Israel forever. For he has chosen the tribe of Judah uh, to rule, and from among the families of Judah, he chose my father's family. And from among my father's sons, the Lord was pleased to make me king over all Israel. And from among my sons, for the Lord has given uh, me many, he chose Solomon to succeed me on the throne of Israel and to rule over the Lord's kingdom. He said to me, your son Solomon will build my temple and his courtyards, for I have chosen him as my son, and I will be his father. And if he continues to obey my commands and regulations as he does now, I will make his kingdom last forever. So now with God as our witness and insight of all Israel, the Lord's assembly, I will give you this charge. Be careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God, so that you may continue to possess this good land and leave it to your children as a permanent inheritance. And Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. So take this seriously. The Lord has chosen you to build a temple in his sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. Verse 11. And then David gave Solomon the plans for the temple and its surroundings, including the entry room, the storerooms, the upstairs rooms, the inner rooms, and the inner sanctuary, which was the place of atonement. 
Uh, David also gave Solomon all the plans he had in mind for the courtyards of the, the Lord's temple, the outside rooms, the treasuries, uh, the rooms for the gifts dedicated to the Lord. The king also gave Solomon the instructions concerning the work of the various divisions of priests and Levites in the temple of the Lord. And he gave specifications for the items in the temple that were to be used for worship. David gave instructions regarding how much gold and silver should be used to make the items needed for service. He told Solomon the amount of gold needed for the gold lampstands and the lamps and the amount of silver for each silver lampstands uh, and lamps, uh, depending on how much each would be used. He designated the amount of gold for the table on which the bread of the presence would be placed and the amount of silver for other tables. David also designated the amount of gold for the solid uh, gold meat hooks used to handle the sacrificial meat uh, for the brazens, pitchers, and dishes, uh, as well as the amount of silver for every dish. He designated the amount of refined gold for the altar of incense. Finally, he gave him a plan for the Lord's chariot, the gold cherubim, whose wings were stretched out over the Ark of the Covenant. Every part of this, David told Solomon, was given to me in writing from the hand of the Lord. Then David continued, be strong and courageous. Do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. He will see to it that all the work related to the temple of the Lord is finished correctly. The various divisions of priests and Levites will serve in the temple of God. Others with skills of every kind will volunteer and the officials and the entire nation are at your command. The word of the Lord. Let's pray real quick. Father, we just uh, we come to you and uh, and reading your word, Lord, just illuminate and show us exactly what you have for us today uh, and show us where uh, we can take this and uh, strengthen and go forward further in our walk with you. Uh, Lord, just uh, may this word be yours and not mine. I surrender myself to you, Lord, and I just pray that uh, you bless all of us with your word today. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. All right. So what uh, is out of this in 1 Chronicles 28? What are we seeing? We're seeing the uh, ending days of David. Um, He's getting pretty old. And so one of the things that we see uh, in reading this is that uh, a couple things. One, in just uh, the second verse here, says David rose to his feet and said, um, my brothers and my people, and then starts declaring everything uh, to everyone, giving them the full backstory that I've made all the preparations, but I, uh, even though it's in my heart, uh, I've been told, no, I'm not going to be building the temple. My son Solomon will actually be building the temple. So I am making sure that I'm handing over this properly to him. Uh, but basically he says, I, David rose to his feet. Well, that's pretty significant. I know it sounds very small. It's just kind of giving you this idea that they stood up. But David is really, really weak at this time. This is not many times where we see an image of David as this young strapping man, this uh, this muscular warrior, uh, this man that has 
just so much strength in a physical stature. Um, David is not that anymore. David is uh, very, very weak. Uh, we see that actually in uh, 1 Kings uh, 1, um, 1 Kings 1 and 1 through 4, that David is actually so weak at this point that uh, in that scene, he's in bed and they just keep throwing blankets over him and he just cannot even get warm anymore. Uh, his body is shutting down. He is a old, old man. And he, so he is knowing that his time is near uh, to be complete. Uh, and so he needs to make sure that this handover is done properly uh, and done uh, on time, right, before uh, he is not to be on the earth anymore. And so this is not uh, that strong David anymore. Um, and so him rising to his feet is uh, a- another act of, hey, regardless of the lack of strength I have, I'm going to use every bit of energy to make sure that this is a proper handover uh, and before everybody else, in front of all the commanders, in front of all the priests, in front of all the rest of the Levites, right? And we talked on Tuesday about the gatekeepers and the treasurers about, and it's the leaders of all of those, all of these different areas in the last chapters that we've gone through of David setting up all the systems uh, to take care of the temple uh, and then on top of all of the material that he will use, we read in here how uh, David said even prescribed how much gold and silver was to be even used. And so he's not leaving any stone unturned uh, for Solomon, his son, to, to know like or to second guess what the right answer is in some details uh, and make sure that, hey, I'm setting you up for full success here, my son. Uh, and he's making sure that it's very public that everybody else uh, knows what's going on. Um, and so there's there's no messing this up. Um, we really see a really good thing here, though, is that this is another immensely great leadership quality. Uh, if anybody's ever taken over a position for somebody else that's either they got promoted or they took a new job somewhere, or they left or whatever, we really hope that, hey, they leave us something. Hey, what have you been working on so that when I jump into this position, I'm ready to go or I have at least information to reference back on to continue the work you've done uh, and also understand what further objectives and things I need to do are going to continue to go. Uh, and so is there a handover book? In the military, when we handed over property when I was in Iraq and we were going uh, out and a new unit was coming in and assuming responsibility of where we were operating, we would call that a left seat, right seat ride. So it was basically as if you were in the Humvee uh, in the truck with two commanders. Uh, One is driving, uh, which is the outgoing, and they're showing, hey, this is this, this is this, and they're pointing all this out. And the other guy's on the right seat, the passenger seat, kind of taking notes and, and gathering all of that. And that's the beginning of it. And then eventually it's, okay, I've shown you all of this. Now I'll I'll step back and I'm going to let you in the driver's seat. And so it's the switching of places. Now you're in the driver's seat. You go do this. I'll be here for a little bit just to make sure you kind of understand what I've handed over to you. And then, hey, it's on you. Uh, and so there's this uh, handover process that King David is doing and doing it very, very well. Not only is it 
Like it's not in a private sanctuary between him and his son, Solomon. It's in front of everybody else. And so they can also have Solomon's back in doing this. Like, hey, remember your dad talked about this and talked about this and all of these different things. Oh, yeah. And so he's got the whole kingdom behind his back. He's got all of the priests. He's got all of the rest of the Levites. He's got all of the other commanders and everybody. Um, Absolutely. This shifting of power. And on top of it, it's a shifting of allegiance. David has worked so, so hard. He has uh, been a warrior for peace to bring peace to uh, Israel as much as possible. And he has done an excellent job at this point, but it, through all that, through war, uh, through fighting together uh, with a lot of his generals and uh, military officials and captains, as it says, uh, there's a lot of allegiance towards David. There's a lot of, you know, some not all people are going to be, and we see this, and we see this even in our church, that sometimes not everybody is uh, 100% God that sometimes we do, we follow personalities and we follow leadership types and we follow leadership styles uh, of specific people. And if certain people leave, this challenges a little bit of, wait, where's my loyalty now when people change out? And so this is a great way for King David to be able to hand over that loyalty from him and says, look, God has appointed my son Solomon to take over after me. And he's making sure that that a loyalty and allegiance transfers over in a very healthy way uh, to his son. And so this is a great leadership example of what and how we should be doing handovers, how we should be doing when uh, at our jobs and all sorts of different uh, things along those lines. Now, as we get into a couple of areas, there's some areas in here that we should really look at as uh, what about us? How do we also take this, not just from a leadership standpoint, um, but what else about ourselves that we need to look at? When we go into verse nine here, this is King David then turning to Solomon and speaking to his son directly, but in front of everybody. It says, and Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately, intimately. This isn't just a book knowledge. This isn't just um, have the priest uh, tell you or do a couple classes every other week uh, or something about the Mosaic law. This isn't uh, just, no, you need to have a personal vibrant, intimate relationship with the God of your ancestors, which is ultimately your God as well. This is your God. Take ownership. Take uh, this relationship to a whole deeper and more intimate level. Because as king, you're going to need it. (laughs) You're going to need God on your side. Uh, anybody that is uh, in leadership or in any type of position uh, at their workplace or whatever, I'm telling you, you can only fake it so much. But without God, it, it ain't going to last that long. And so he's telling them right now, you don't want to do this alone. You're not meant to do this alone. None of us are meant to do life alone. 
None of us are meant to do what we are called to do by God alone without God in our lives. We are to have an intimate, vibrant relationship with him so that he is able to speak into our lives and help guide us and give us strength and courage. And we're going to get to that part where he talks about strength and courage uh, as well. And so uh, the, the next sentence in there, worship and serve him with your whole heart, with your whole heart. Now, I'm reminded of other scripture when I hear about your whole heart and talking about the heart. And I always get this, well, I, I get the whole heart. I need to use my whole heart. My, But there's also in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the, whole, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And then in the next verse, verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his way, according to the fruit of his doings. Yes, our heart is wickedly uh, deceitful. Our heart can uh, really guide us in the wrong way. And this is when uh, what this is describing uh, is always talking about when we let our heart just follow our fleshly desires, uh, letting our heart just go on its own and following it on its own. I'm here to unfortunately tell you that the whole worldly idea of just follow your heart is uh, following down a path that is not necessarily the right thing to do. There's many times where our heart actually, it tells us in, uh, to, we should do this, we should do that, uh, but it's not in the best interest of you. It's not in the best interest of the Lord. It's not, that's not the right relationship to be diving into. Many times when we're following our heart, our heart is just saying we have a hole to fill and we're going to fill it with the easiest thing possible. And it may be the wrong relationship. It may be uh, the wrong foods. It may be the wrong whatever uh, in our lives. That's not necessarily God's best. And so this is what this is talking about in Jeremiah 17, that the heart is deceitful above all things. That our heart ultimately on the surface is nothing more than the sinful fleshly desire engine that's moving us forward. But if we put it under submission, just like take, like it says in the New Testament, take every thought captive and put it and make it submitting to Christ. If we make our heart submitted to Christ, if we turn, if we turn our heart, don't let your heart lead you. You turn your whole heart towards God. That's the direction we have to take control of our heart instead of letting our heart lead us. We cannot let our heart lead us. And so here with your whole heart, he's telling you how to direct your whole heart, worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind, willing to listen, willing to understand, willing uh, to change and allow your brain to uh, I'm getting caught up in my words. Uh, allow your mind to renew itself towards Christ, towards our Lord. That's where we need to go. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. If you seek 
God. And honestly, to seek God is not, well, if he shows up, it'd be nice. Uh, I'll go to church every so often, and if he doesn't show up, then eh. that's half-hearted. That's wishful thinking. Uh, that's not what it's saying is your whole heart and will and your mind need to be, God, I am stopping at nothing to find you. Nothing. Right, the old wagon train going west, it would say like Oregon or bust, right? Or or something along that. And so basically the the tag on your heart needs to be God or bust. Like th- there's no there's no turning back. Uh, it, it's uh I will seek the Lord no matter what until my last breath. With everything I have and willing to sacrifice everything I have. To find the Lord, I promise you that depth of your heart, you will find him as he promises. And there's many on this uh, Zoom call right now that can attest to this very thing in their life. Uh, There's many in our church that uh, you could talk to that can attest to this very thing uh, in their life as well. That when when the chips were down, when uh, they hit rock bottom or whatever the case may be, and there's just this nothing else was able to satisfy their heart. They finally realized I have to search out my creator. I need to search out my God that has created me, has created this heart that can only fill the holes that were designed for him. Your whole heart needs to be in seeking our God. And so these are great instructions to his son, Solomon. Uh, But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Now, this is a continual forsaking him, like all your life. And we see this even in our New Testament context, right? If you forsake God all your life until your last breath, God will forsake you as well. He gives you that honor and dignity that, guess what? If you do not want to be with him forever, you do not have to be with him forever. But the moment we do, the moment we want to turn our hearts, our minds, and our life towards God, he's like that father for the prodigal son with his arms stretched open, not caring about the inheritance you burned up, not caring about the foolish mistakes you made, not caring about the the family division that you may have caused, not caring about the hurt and pain that they've gone through, waiting for you to come home. You're just home. And God's hands are wide open for you to come home. So take this seriously, verse 10. So take this seriously. The God has chosen you to build a temple as his sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. So get rid of the God has, uh, get rid of the um, build the temple and just say, the Lord has chosen you to blank. Be strong and do the work. Be strong and do the work. What is that for you? 
you're not building the temple. <laughs> I would say quite most of us, if not all of us that are listening to this podcast or anything, we're not going to be building the temple. Uh, one, because uh, with the Holy Spirit living in us, we are the temple already. So there's no need for that. But what is it that God is calling you to? What is it that God is saying? Uh, this is uh, where you need to be moving towards in your life for your purpose. That is what you need to write. The Lord has chosen me to blank. Be strong and do the work. Be strong and do the work. And so I want to skip it all the way down to verse 20. Um, David then is saying, and I love this, be strong and courageous and do the work. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He's talking to his son Solomon still. He will not fail you nor forsake you. He will see to it that all the work related to whatever your calling is. Here it says to the temple of the Lord is finished correctly. He will see it that all the work related to what he's calling you to do will be finished correctly. And so it starts out with be strong and courageous. And we see this in so many different areas. We see this in uh, Joshua uh, 1, uh, 6 through 7, uh, Joshua 10, uh, 25, uh, 2 Samuel 10, uh, verse 12. Just this be strong and courageous. You know, Solomon was very known for the wisdom in which he uh, was blessed with by God. We'll read further on that as we get into Solomon's life and his uh, kingship and reign. Uh, and all of that, and uh, and it's a wonderful thing, and we should always be praying for wisdom. But I feel like I don't remember the last time somebody said, "Can you pray for courage for me?" Or even telling me I'm praying for courage. Like what? What it? I have not heard many people saying I'm praying for courage, strength. Yes. Uh, usually it's strength to get through a hard time or a hard situation, and then it's coupled with wisdom. We should always be praying for wisdom. Of course, I'm not negating that at all, uh, but I am saying that it sounds like in, uh, in personal experience uh, quite recently, courage is not a word that I've heard a lot of. I've not heard a lot of people saying, I need courage to get through this. I need courage to know because guess what? You can have the wisdom, but do you have the courage to act on it? A lot of us, actually, we have the wisdom of knowing what to do, but we don't have the courage to act on it. And so, therefore, the next part, do the work, doesn't get done because we don't have the courage to make the steps to go forward to do the work. And so, we need to be strong and courageous. I'm actually going to go into our New Testament context and start in Ephesians 6, uh, verse 10. Uh, if anybody knows, uh, Ephesians 6 is the whole armor of God. In verse 10, uh, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the whales of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. Therefore, stand having uh, girdled your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness and then on and on the rest of the pieces of the armor of God. Have courage. Have courage. All of this is basically telling me in more words than just the word courage to have courage, put on your armor, put on what you need to, to go fight the day. Um, because we've already won in Christ Jesus. The victory is already there. We just need to show up to the battlefield so that we can say, guess what? I was a part of the fight, but my God has absolutely won. And we're going to fight in the victory of knowing that the battle's already won. Sounds like a little time warp uh, when we kind of talk about it. And that's uh, if you're not... Um, very uh, in the church a lot, but you'll hear this, that, you know, the battle's already won, but yet I'm fighting the battle today. And it's this understanding just as um, our eternity with Christ that we have with him because of his sacrifice that, uh, and because of our faith in Christ and what he's done on the cross, that we have this eternal hope. We also have this eternal understanding that his victory on the cross is for now and it's forever. And that, yes, we may be in a battle, but it's a battle that's already won that we can, uh, we can walk boldly into that. We can walk boldly with courage, knowing that Christ is behind us, knowing that he is right there. We are filled with his spirit that don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We have everything we need to be courageous in what God is calling us to. But there's also a level of it's okay to feel sometimes that you're not. It's okay to say that. We see even Paul was saying this um, in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 16 verse 13 be watchful stand firm in the faith and act like men be strong let all that you do be done in love you know we see that paul also in his life there was many many areas where uh, paul was saying that hey i uh i need you to pray for me Paul was not a stranger to prison. Paul was not a stranger to being persecuted. Paul was not a stranger to having fear tactics put on him, uh, both in physical ways and psychological ways. Paul was never any of this type of guy that uh, was any foreign to that. But there was so much with Paul that he even in his letters would say, pray for me that I would have courage and boldness to speak the truth of our Christ to others. You know, we have, we see that. And even in Paul, this guy that uh, almost had no fear of prison, he was in it so much. It was like his second home or something. Um, 
And yet he's still asking for prayers. He's still asking for others. This is the guy that is the uh, church planter of all church planters. He, he is the apostle of apostles. Uh, he is, we just see him as, wow, he's a, he's a real life uh, example of how we can actually follow Christ uh, in an imperfect person. And when we know that Paul was very imperfect, he persecuted the church before his Damascus Road uh, experience. And yet that miraculous transformation, that salvation uh, moment, and that continual sanctification that Paul went through, he had a lot of courage, but he still asked for prayer for courage as well. He still asked for that boldness, and he still asked for prayers of strength. And so that's a great example for us that, yeah, we may feel that we're able to do it, but even on those days that and today is not my day. Uh, this morning is not my morning. And so if that's you today, if the, today's not my day, uh, you better be glad I just pulled on and turned on the Zoom or got onto this podcast today because today's not my day and I really didn't want to, but I still did it anyway. Uh, I need courage. And if that's you that needs courage, like, man, we are praying for you. Uh, if you need to, please reach out, uh, prayer at fusionchurch.cc. You can email us there with any of your prayer requests. And if you have a prayer request for courage today, for strength, for boldness, and, and including a wisdom as well in your life, we would love to pray for you. Uh, we actually print those out and pray over those during our worship and prayer services on Wednesdays. Uh, and we always have prayer warriors uh, listening in on those emails that come in and praying over those. And so if you have any prayer requests of what's going on in your life, uh, I want to welcome you to that. And so we see all of this that's going on. David is handing over the reins to his son, Solomon. But there's some great instructions in here that we can take for ourselves. One, let's make sure that we search God and worship God with our whole heart. That we don't leave any stone unturned in our heart. That we don't come uh, halfway with it. That we come wholeheartedly that we take control of our heart and move it in the direction that it needs to go in and not be led by the way our heart wants to go on its own naturally. And the other part is let's pray for courage, pray for courage for each other, for ourselves. Let's be strong and courageous in whatever it is that God called us to do in our lives. Let's do the work. And so let's have a great Thursday. Let's pray and let's have a, a great rest of this week as well. Father, we just love you so much. We thank you for your word today. We thank you for uh, these great instructions and seeing what uh, David is doing as he's handing over the throne to Solomon, handing over all of the plans and materials and preparations and, uh, and guidances of being able to build the temple and telling his son Solomon, I've got you. I've set all this up. I've set you up for success. I have even my leaders and my priest and uh, the rest of the Levites on your side. And so, Lord, may we take all of these examples, may we take all of this lesson today, uh, apply it to our lives, apply it to our situations. And Father, Father, may we just follow you in such a deeper and more wholehearted way today.
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Have a great one. Take care, everyone. God bless, and we'll see you on the next one.